Chapter 25, Gynecologic Emergencies. Um, I usually start this chapter out with a question. When you, when you go into the hospital, there's a sign in the hospital that tells you about your rights. Anybody have a clue what sign I'm talking about? It says, no, not, if you are having a medical emergency or are in labor, basically they have to help you, right? Y'all remember seeing that sign ever? If, if you've never seen it, next time you're in the emergency room, look for that sign because it's there. But there's, did, what did that statement say? If you're having a medical emergency or are in labor, there's a distinction, right? Childbirth under normal circumstances is a natural process. Not necessarily a medical emergency, right? Because it's gonna happen with or without you. And unless there's something that's gone wrong, uh, you know, limb presentation, nuchal cord, something like that, you're not really needed in the big scheme of things. Neither's a doctor. I mean, you, there's things you could do that, to help the mom along or whatever, but this is between mama, that baby, and the good Lord. And it's gonna happen whether you're there or not. Typically not a medical emergency. Majority of children that are born in this world, do you think they're born inside of a hospital or outside of a hospital? That's correct. So just keep that in mind. Now, if you get this fast to a childbirth call, well, you're gonna get all anxious and worked up because that's a baby, right? And there's a chance that something could go wrong. And, um, and we'll talk about these things and what to do about them, but... Um, uh, oh, I'm not even going to say that because I jinx you. So here we go. We're going to talk about all this. Occasionally, girls and women in their childbearing years will have major gynecologic problems requiring urgent care. Occasionally. Excessive bleeding, soft tissue injuries, sexually transmitted diseases, and vaginal discharge. Now, as far as excessive bleeding, how difficult do you think it is to estimate the amount of external blood loss? No matter where it's coming from, the arm, the vagina, it doesn't matter. How difficult is it to estimate the amount of blood loss? Kind of difficult sometimes, right? Especially if it's spilling out on an uneven surface, right? Because it's going to run and it's not going to be in the same place it was by the time you get there. So, and then there's the human emotion element. It's gonna instantly look like more than what it really is, right? Whether it's on the ground, if it's matted up in somebody's hair, it's gonna look worse. It may be bad, it may be life-threatening life bad, but it's gonna look worse than whatever it is, so. I haven't done that with y'all yet out in the parking lot. I'm getting old because classes are running together. That's normally what I do, but of course we're not going to stand in the rain and the parking lot's wet today, so. And blood is more viscous than water, so, but it makes the point, yeah. All right. Ovaries produce the ova or the egg, right? The mature oocyte, the female sex cell, 
And again, the ovaries produce the eggs, also produce the hormones estrogen and progesterone. What do we call the ovaries? Those are the female gonads. gonads, yeah. So there's your ovaries. Those are your fallopian tubes that lead to the uterus. The fallopian tubes are ducts that uh, extend from the uterus and terminate near the ovary on each side. Near the ovary. Are they, really, are they connected right there? No. Nope. They carry an ovum from the ovary to the uterus, and the uterus is the womb, which is a muscular organ where the fertilized egg implants and grows. If, a, if the egg is going to be fertilized by sperm, where is it typically fertilized at? In the fallopian tube, but then it travels down and lands and adheres to the inner wall of the uterus where it implants and grows. The vagina is the outermost cavity of the female reproductive system and it uh, completes the passageway from the uterus to outside to the outside world for delivering the infant. What separates the vagina from the um, uterus? The cervix. And the cervical canal is the passageway from the uterus to the opening into the vagina. External female genitalia, the vulva includes the mons pubis, the, the clitoris, the prepuce or foreskin, vestibule, and then the opening of the urethra. Just terms you need to be familiar with. Raise your hand if you've never witnessed live childbirth. Most of y'all. Okay. So what am I going to tell you to do? Go to YouTube and listen. The government's not going to flag you for watching porn. All right. It's not porn. I said YouTube. Not you, that other one. Don't go to that one. Mac knows what I'm talking about. He laughed. YouTube, type in childbirth. Watch a child being born. Anatomy and physiology review each month the level of hormones rises and certain characteristics, uh, characteristic changes take place. Menstruation, or the, the uh, cyclic shedding of the uterine lining that occurs approximately every 28 days. I told you each cell in the heart thinks it is the heart, right? Each cell in the uterus or the, the uh, endouterine wall there each cell thinks it is the uterus and it sloughs off a minute amount of blood about every 28 days. And when all of those cells combine in that small amount of blood, they all combine to make the period, okay? Menarche is the initial onset of menstruation. It occurs during puberty. That's the female's first uh, period, menarche. That's the term you need to know. And menopause is when it stops. Menarche, 
to menopause, which is the cessation of menstruation and ovarian function. Do not assume that a, that a female of child, childbearing age is pregnant if she's having abdominal pains or something going on, but you always have to consider the possibility, especially if certain medications are gonna be pushed on that patient. Because if she, those pregnancy categories that are at the bottom of each of those, if she is pregnant and you push some meds, it could have an adverse effect for the unborn fetus. So you kinda of have to ask, okay? But don't assume. Premenstrual syndrome, PMS, cluster of troubling symptoms that normally occur seven to 14 days before the onset of the menstrual flow. And it subsides once the period stops or starts, I should say. Stress, diet, alcohol consumption, and prescription or non-prescription drugs, drug use may exacerbate the PMS. Speaking of that, I saw a map today. It's got nothing to do with this, really, but you might find it interesting. There are 30.8 pain pills prescribed per person in Coweta County per year. 30.8. How many people are in Coweta County? 146,000. There's 30.8 pain pills prescribed per person every year. And that's a low number if you look at the other counties. Anyhow, I saw pain pills, whatever. Middle schmears, there's another term that you need to know. What is that? Somebody can look that up and tell me. Middle pain? That's something you need to know. That's, that's definitely a term that registry would use. Um, because if they ask you about that and you do not understand that it is associated with the menstrual cycle, even though you know the answer, you won't be able to give it, okay? Signs and symptoms include sharp cramping pain in the lower abdomen, often localized to one side. Amenorrhea. Medical prefix A or AN means what? Root word men or meno. RRHEA. Mm. Or flow. flow. So, no menstrual cycle, right? No flow, no blood flow. What are some reasons why a lady may miss her period? She could be pregnant. Whatever, what else? Birth control. What else? Now, birth control doesn't mean they don't have a cycle, right? Just means it's, it's more controlled. They know when, it, when it's going to be. What else? 
Exercise induced. There you go. GI Jane. Huh? It's a movie. Do you even know who Demi Moore is? No. Oh. All right. Whatever. You're fired. Uh, exercise, uh, stress could do it too. There's a lot of things that could. Disorders in the female reproductive system can lead to gynecological emergencies, acute or chronic infection, hemorrhage, rupture of a cyst. How do ovarian cysts happen? How do they occur? And how does a lady know she has an ovarian cyst? Yeah, it does hurt, but let's back up. No, no, maybe, maybe not. But we've already said they're not connected, right? The ovary and the floating tubes, they're not connected. And where is the ovum or the egg produced? At the ovary, right? So basically, just for lack of a better word, the egg's produced, it's released by the ovary, and it floats into this opening. Sometimes the egg's produced, and maybe it releases, but then comes back and lands right back on the ovary creates a cyst and they're usually fluid filled okay and as they grow and grow and grow the lady will have unilateral pain right there where her ovary one her one ovary or the other okay and it'll get worse and worse and worse and then all of a sudden there will just be this real sharp pain and then it gets better what happened it bursts then the abdominal cavity just has to reabsorb that fluid or whatever uh, that's typical Sometimes they have to go and have them surgically removed because they're not fluid filled, that they'll be like a mass or whatever. All right, pelvic inflammatory disease, PID. We've talked about this already, right? How do you know someone has pelvic inflammatory disease? Where do they hurt? More specifically, where do they hurt? Which quadrant? Quadrants, right? Both the lower right and the lower left, okay? How will she walk? The PID shuffle, right? Slightly bent over, taking small steps. Um, acute or chronic infection, the upper female reproductive organs may expand to the fallopian tubes eventually involving the ovaries, pelvic pain and fever, sepsis, abscess formation, generalized peritonitis and infertility as it, it, as it progresses and gets worse or whatever. If a lady has had it, multiple PIDs, what is she more prone to have? Ectopic pregnancies, that's correct. And the word ectopic means what? Outside. Out of place. STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, treatment of a patient with an STD typically involves placing the patient in a position of comfort and providing supportive care. You're not going to do anything about that in the back of an ambulance. Bacterial vaginosis, normal bacteria in the vagina are replaced by an overgrowth 
of other bacterial forms, itching, burning, pain, uh, may be uh, accompanied by a smelly discharge. Again, when you get into this, this area, it's supportive care. There's nothing you're going to do about it, and you don't need to see the discharge. You don't. Cancroid. Painful sores or ulcers. Chlamydia. Uh, there may not be any symptoms at all, or they may be mild. Cytomegalovirus, CMV, a member of the herpes virus family, viral infection, no known cure, prolonged high fevers, chills, headaches, malaise, extreme fatigue, and enlarged spleen. Genital herpes, infection of the genitals, buttocks, and, or anal area, herpes simplex virus type one or type two. And again, it's gonna be palliative care. You're not gonna do anything about this in the back of an ambulance. You just need to be aware. Gonorrhea, who had gonorrhea in history? I'm talking about the guy, it kind of drove him mad and he cut his ear off. Oh, Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh, that's right. Gonorrhea can also grow in the mouth, the throat, the eyes, and the anus. If the infection is not treated, the bacteria may enter the bloodstream and spread to other parts of the body. And of course, then when it gets to the brain, that's when the altered mental status just say kicks in genital warts is the most common std and that's what registry is going to ask you probably if they ask you something about genital warts caused by the human papillomavirus hpv Syphilis, signs and symptoms mimic other diseases and a person with syphilis may remain asymptomatic for years. Now I want somebody to look in the book and tell me about the primary stage of syphilis, the secondary stage of syphilis, and the tertiary stage of syphilis. What's the primary stage say? primary stage of syphilis is usually marked by the appearance of a single sore, a canker, although some people develop multiple sores. The canker is usually painless and is small, firm, and round. It usually goes away after three to six weeks, at which point the disease has progressed to the second stage. Somebody else tell me about the secondary stage. It may be fairly discernible or resemble rashes from other diseases. 
Thrush generally does not itch. Symptoms of secondary syphilis may include fever, swollen lymph glands, sore throat, patchy hair loss, headache, weight loss, muscle ache, and fatigue. Like the canker of the primary stage, these symptoms will, res will resolve without treatment. Left untreated, the secondary stage invariably leads to tertiary syphilis. So somebody else tell me about tertiary stage. Austin. Tell us about it. The tertiary stage of syphilis internal internal damage is accumulating syphilis attacks the brain, nerves, eyes, heart, blood vessels, liver, bones, and joints. Although it can take years for syphilis to progress, from the primary stages to the tertiary stage, thus the damage may not become evident for years. And I had to correct myself. Syphilis is what Van Gogh had, not gonorrhea. He had syphilis. I was wrong. Alright. Trichomonosis. Uh, again, all these things are transmitted through sexual contact. Uh, frothy yellow-green vaginal discharge with strong odor. Irritation and itching of female genital area. Dysuria. Now that's a new word, but what does it mean? Difficulty urinating, that's correct. And lower abdominal pain. If untreated, can lead to low birth weight or premature birth in pregnant women or increased susceptibility to HIV infection. Now, right. vaginal yeast infections. Um, if the vagina becomes less acidic, the yeast population may increase dramatically and result in an infection. Itching, burning, soreness in the vagina and around the vulva and vulvar swelling. Now we talked about this one a little while ago. Ruptured ovarian cyst. Again, it's still not something you're going to be able to do anything in the, about in the back of an ambulance, but you just understand what's going on. An ovarian cyst is typically a fluid-filled sac, and again, it's that whole, I guess, failure to launch thing, right? The little egg releases from the ovary, but doesn't get into the fallopian tube, lands back on the ovary, creates the cyst. Um, if it doesn't rupture or pop on its own, eventually she'll have to go get it surgically removed. Ectopic pregnancies. Is that a true medical emergency, an ectopic pregnancy? Yep, a lady could die. Uh, it's where the pregnancy develops outside of the uterus, and it sometimes is called a tubal pregnancy because it's typically in the fallopian tube where it, it, it grows and develops, but it doesn't have to be there. Ectopic pregnancies could be anywhere as long as it's outside of the uterus. Vaginal bleeding may be the only sign. And leading cause of maternal death during the first trimester is internal hemorrhage uh, following a rupture of an ectopic pregnancy.
So you have a female of childbearing age that says she's missed her, hadn't had a cycle in two, three months, all of a sudden experiences this tremendous amount of pain, unilateral pain, right, and bleeding. What are you going to suspect? Especially if she has a history of PID, right? Ectopic pregnancy. Causes that affect normal pathway of the ovum include previous surgical adhesions, PID, tubal litigation, she has her tubes tied, right? And the intrauterine device. And like we've already said, if it's not called in time, it definitely could be life-threatening for the lady. Let me, let me pause here for a second because some of this stuff I've kind of gone through pretty quickly. Does anybody have any questions? Yes, sir. So what do they do for a woman that's experiencing that? Uh, ectopic pregnancy? Well, they may have to go in depending on, I guess, how bad it ruptures. They may have to control bleeding internally. Pregnancy is doomed from the beginning. I mean, it, it, it develops a little bit, but it, it's never going to produce a, a child. All right, vaginal bleeding. I, I started out, you know, one of the first slides and I asked you how difficult it is to estimate the amount of blood loss regardless of where it's coming from, right? How do we estimate vaginal blood loss? How do we estimate and relay to the hospital how much blood has been lost? They do. You're going, you are going to relay the number of, and I think they call them sanitary pads or, that are saturated. How many pads has she saturated with the blood? That's the, the, how you relay that to the hospital, okay? Any vaginal bleeding during the third trimester of pregnancy is a serious emergency. Any vaginal bleeding during the third trimester of pregnancy is a serious emergency. A couple different conditions it could be. The color differences can be difficult to discern in the pre-hospital setting, but if it's third trimester and it's blood, 
it could be a serious emergency, okay? Causes of vaginal bleeding, onset of labor, a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. Of course, I'm not sure how many are going to get to the third trimester. PID and other infections, trauma, lesions, all these things can cause vaginal bleeding and some more things. Um, what is that? Endometriitis. What's swollen? Where's that? I'm sorry? That's correct. Yeah, it is inflammation or irritation of the endometrium, uh, most commonly caused by an infection treated with antibiotics, but if untreated can lead to septic shock and obviously that's no good. It can cause a spontaneous abortion in a pregnant patient. Now, we all, abortion, we all know the, the commonly used term abortion where a lady goes to a clinic and terminates a pregnancy. I want somebody to look in the book and let's, what's, what is the medical definition of an, an abortion? Yeah, but what is an abortion? What's the medical term abortion? What does it mean? Loss of a child before 20 weeks of gestation. And whenever you hear gestation, we're talking about the term or the length of her pregnancy, right? So it could be from any cause. It doesn't, that's not necessarily something that you go, that's not a procedure necessarily. It could be, but it's not. Anything that causes a loss of that fetus before 20 weeks of pregnancy. And you need to know that. 20 weeks, that's, that's a mark. All right? So that's endo, uh, endometriitis. That's endometriosis. What's the difference? Extremely painful, yet some women may not have any symptoms at all. Results when the endometrial tissue grows outside of the uterus. Uh, one of the leading causes of infertility in women. Remember I told you each cell of the uterus thinks it is the uterus and it sloughs off little minute amounts of blood every month, right? About every 28 days. Well, ladies with endometriosis some of those cells kind of separate from that uterine wall, okay? And is released, it gets outside of the uterus. And maybe that cell plants on the backside of her bladder. But remember, it thinks it is the uterus. So it's on the backside of that bladder, but what's it doing about every 28 days? Sloughing off a little bit of blood, right? having that little mini period, right? 
and then it grows and grows and accumulates and grows and turns into what's called a chocolate cyst. Basically, it's a pocket of blood that's on the backside of her bladder now, or wherever it may be, and it causes pain, uh, does lead to infer infertility, uh, leading cause of infertility. Um, and that's what you need to know. Major complaint, obviously, is abdominal pain. Postpartum eclampsia. If something is postpartum, what does that mean? After birth. And what's eclampsia? Seizures are associated with it. But what is eclampsia? There's another name for eclampsia that maybe you've heard. Toxemia. Who's ever known a lady that's pregnant and all of a sudden her blood pressure jacks up and she starts to swell? And I'm not talking about her, 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 her belly. I'm talking about her hands, her face, her feet. It's eclampsia, okay? After baby is born, the mother is at risk for eclampsia for several, several weeks after the birth. Now, postpartum eclampsia... She can have that during pregnancy as well, right? Yes, absolutely. After baby is born, she's at risk for several weeks after the birth. Seizures and hypertension in women who recently delivered a baby is a sign of postpartum eclampsia. Uh, a thorough history is important to determine if the seizure could be caused by postpartum eclampsia. Listen, just know, typically if eclampsia is going to show itself, it's going to be during the gestational period. But what you need to know here and what they're beating you over the head with is it can happen after birth as well for a few weeks. Sexual assault. It says most victims are women, but men and children can also be victimized. Uh, how important is it to show compassion and be a professional? And guys, if you've got a female partner and there's a woman that's been sexually assaulted, who needs to be in the back of the ambulance with that patient? Not you. Nothing personal, but not you. What is, if she's been sexually assaulted, especially if she's been raped, what do you not want her to do? You don't want her to take her clothes off. You don't want her to shower go to the bathroom or anything else, right? Why? That's evidence. That's evidence. And what? And she's going to want to do all of these things, right? So that compassion really needs to be really needs to be there. Get your patient assessment. Obtaining an accurate and detailed assessment is critical when dealing with gynecologic issues. It's critical dealing with any issue, okay? A thorough patient assessment will help to determine how sick the patient is and whether life-saving measures should be initiated. And again, that is no different than any other patient. Where are you going to find out if life-saving measures need to be initiated and what part of your assessment? Because it's the ABCs, right? Form your general impression.
Place the patient in a supine position. What if she's still pregnant, especially if she's in the second or third trimester of her pregnancy? Are you going to lay her supine on a backboard? What are you going to do? You're going to elevate her. You're going to put a wedge or towels or blankets underneath the right side of that board, right? So the fetus can shift to the left and get the fetus off of the inferior vena cava. What do we call that? What am I describing? Supine hypotensive syndrome. Supine hypotensive syndrome. Investigate chief complaint. Get your history. Secondary assessment may be performed on scene en route to emergency department or in some cases, not at all. Again, if you're having trouble with the ABCs, you're never going to get to the secondary assessment. If the airway is still blocked, nothing else matters. Because what happens if they don't have an airway? Every day of the week and twice on Sunday, they're going to die without an airway. So to approach the patient with a comforting attitude, maintain privacy. That's a big deal. Get your vitals. For vaginal bleeding, treat for hypoperfusion or shock. At the EMT level, how do we treat for shock? Conserve body temperature. Oxygen. Not yet. We ain't got there. For EMT, we will in advance. Okay. Oxygen, conserve temperature, maybe elevate those feet a little bit. And transport rapidly. Rapid transport. Always reassess. How often do we reassess? Five or 15, depending on whether their condition is critical or not, right? Maintain the patient's privacy and modesty as much as possible. And we've kind of said all that. Use sanitary pads to the external genitalia to absorb any vaginal bleeding. Place the patient on, the left, on her left side so that she will be facing you instead of the wall of the ambulance. But what's another good benefit of putting her on her left side? Supine hypotensive syndrome, yeah. Of course, if there's any soft tissue injuries, you're going to, you're going to treat those. Uh, uh, sterile compresses. And this is going to be on your test probably too. In a, under no circumstances should you pack or place dressings inside the vagina. If it's if vaginal bleeding, you place the pad on the external genitalia. Do not pack the vagina with any gauze or anything else. There are times in childbirth to where you may have to put a gloved hand in her vagina. You may have to put your fingers in there to get the baby's head off the umbilical cord. But for vaginal bleeding, you just put it on the external genitalia. Yes, sir. There's a tampon. Do you want to remove it? Leave it. If it's in there, leave it. Because 
if you were to remove it and she is bleeding heavily, that's just going to make it worse. As far as the, it's still, she'll still be bleeding without, with or without it, but it won't be external, if that makes sense. PID, again, lower abdominal pain, possible fever, vaginal discharge. What is that word? What does it mean? Pain during sexual intercourse. Patient will generally walk doubled over, guard the abdomen, taking them little short steps. Again, like I said, PID shuffle. Ruptured ovarian cysts. Unilateral pain is going to be the thing. Um, there may or may not be vaginal bleeding. And again, what are you going to do for this? Ectopic pregnancies. Patient usually presents with signs of hypovolemia, uh, hypovolemic shock. And again, at the EMT level, we treat shock how we treat shock. When we get to advanced, we'll introduce the IVs and, and get into the fluid replacement thing. But keep in mind, like I told you, I said for majority, the majority of these conditions is palliative care. It's supportive care, position of comfort. This is a true medical emergency. Always assume that bleeding during the first or second trimester uh, might indicate a spontaneous abortion or miscarriage, same thing. And third trimester bleeding is a serious emergency. Third trimester bleeding, again, is a serious emergency. Uh, patients with abdominal trauma may present with severe bleeding pain and hypovolemic shock. And this is just amazing me. There's two things that they haven't mentioned yet. But they don't mention some of that other stuff. All right. So what are two other things? And let's see if you book, see if you can find it in your book because it's, it's got to be in there. So, so Alex, what is placenta previa? What does that mean? What is that? So it's between the baby and the baby's exit, right? It, it's kind of pretty. So when did, that becomes a problem in the third trimester when the child starts to reposition to get down toward the birth canal to get ready for delivery, right? May, not, may or may not be an issue before that because it's not in the way yet. Does that make sense? So what are the signs and symptoms? How will you identify placenta previa? Hopefully she's had good prenatal care, right? And she knows. But if not, how will you understand or recognize placenta previa? Significant bleeding, mild pain, bright red bleeding. Bright red bleeding. What did you say about pain? Mild pain. Okay. Abruptio placenta. What does your book say about that? Sir? Abruptio 
Okay. What else? Severe abdominal pain. Is it not normally or sometimes associated with some sort of trauma too? Basically, the placenta is just ripping off of the, the uterine wall. Severe pain, bleeding. Is it possible with a placenta previa, placenta previa for you not to see the blood at all? Yes. If that placenta is completely covering that cervix, right? It can't get out either, right? Severe pain is which one? Abruptio. And what typically causes abruptio? Is that what your book says? I know that's what I say, but what does your book say? It's the onset of labor, rupture, ectopic pregnancy, trauma, PID, other infections. Okay, so there are other things too, right? I guess just personal experiences, the ones I've heard about the most have been trauma related. So, all right. Sexual assault can take many forms. Again, well, rape is, uh, I guess, the most common. Like we've already said, if there's an option of putting another female in the back of the ambulance with her, that's what you should do. But regardless, be professional, be kind, be sensitive to what's going on. You do not have to do any type of physical exam unless there's heavy bleeding that you have to control or something of that nature. First care is medical treatment. Second issue is psychological care. Um, again, help preserve that evidence. She really doesn't need to go to the bathroom. She doesn't need to shower. You know, whatever she has on, that's what she needs to keep on. And again, that's about preservation of evidence. All right, so drugs used to facilitate rape. What are some of those drugs? GHB. What is that? It kind of. What does is, what is GHB do? Why, why is that used to facilitate rape? Decreases inhibition and decreases something else too, right? Memory. Again, hypotension, bradycardia, difficulty breathing, seizures, coma, all these things could occur. Um, as, as secondary to this GHB usage. And listen to me, it, you're, you stay in EMS long enough, you're going to see it, and you just have to be a professional. For whatever reason, some people like to put foreign bodies in their body. Females, the vagina, some men like to put it in their backside, all right? It happens, and you're going to see it. Box in wrenches, things of that nature, curtain rods. I'm just telling you, it it happens. Live animal? I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen that one, but I think that that's something that live animals. Yeah, there you go. All right, hold on. 